Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Hey, we're, uh, we're continuing our Legends of the Faith series this morning. And this morning, it's, it's my great uh, privilege to have with me a legend of the faith all the way from Uganda. I've had the privilege of uh, meeting Abby, who's the director of African Hearts and uh, who we support through Gateway uh, Beyond uh, a couple of times now. I was there just uh, about six weeks ago and uh, Abby's going to come and share a bit of his story and what God is doing through African Hearts. So would you give Abby a big welcome this morning? Welcome. Good to have you here, my friend. Grab a seat. Now, I've got a very important question to ask you to start with, Abby, because some people here don't believe that it's true. Did all of your staff, a couple of weeks ago when they met me, say, that pastor is on point? He, he has great fashion sense. He must be one of the cool pastors in Australia. Is that true? Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's true. You, you had a very nice slim fit. That's on fashion back home. <laughs> they, um, there you go. There we are. They said that they would wish you, you, you up your dancing skills too to match your... Your well, dancing skills. Yes. Your dancing was... <laughs> they bit, weren't impressed by those. A bit lacking. <laughs> <laughs> Never a truer word has been spoken. Hey, Abby, great to have you here. I've had the joy of uh, visiting African Hearts a couple of times now, and uh, you're a great leader. You're leading a great ministry there. Uh, just tell us a little bit of your story of coming to faith and how God birthed African Hearts in your heart. Uh, thank you so much. So I, I grew up as a Muslim boy and um, also ended up living on the streets. And, uh, but God used tragedy. Some three friends of mine died of AIDS and I saw them dying. And so it made me think of my life after because I thought I also had AIDS and I was going to die. So I began to pray harder in the, in the Muslim faith, and I just recited things. I wanted a personal connection with God to say, I'm sorry, so when I, go, I die, I go to heaven. And so one day, as I'm in my quest for the heaven, one day my friend invited me to their church, and he said that uh, you come to our evening service, it's all about music, and there are many beautiful girls uh, at church. <laughs> and so... I went for those reasons, and then I gave my life to Christ there. Yeah, how good's that? Yeah. And what, what happened after that? How did you, uh, how did you see that uh, something like African Hearts could uh, change the lives of so many young people? Uh, see, I had lived on the streets, and when I came to this church, I was discipled. And um, out of a sermon that was preached on a Sunday uh, from Exodus chapter 3, 
my pastor, you know that story. So pastor asked us to think of the things we have and the skills maybe we have to serve him. And uh, I was good at playing trumpet. So my skill at that time and the tool I had as a trumpet is to, I use them, those to reach out to the children in the streets to play music and pull them out to give them a hope for a better future. Right. I've, uh, I've loved just seeing, I've, in, a, in the space of a day, I've walked with Abby through the slums where they minister to, to young boys there and then gone to the transition home where the rescue boys live for some time and, and get off drugs and then gone to the school and seen these awesome young leaders being educated and, and finding out uh, uh, about Jesus and, then, uh, and many of them becoming great leaders uh, in that community. It's been a privilege to I see the power of the gospel at work uh, in African hearts. Mate, um, a couple of years ago, Ainsley came uh, back from uh, Kampala and said, you know, African hearts has a, a vision to build a village of hope in Sharima. And so a, a couple of Christmases ago, we... Uh, got on board and partnered with you to, uh, to see God do something in Sharima. Just tell us a little bit about that. Um, first of all, I'm very humbled to be before you. Thank you so much for your generous gift to help the, the people in Sharima. Uh, Sharima is a remote area, and we went there to buy land to grow food because we are spending a lot of money feeding children on the streets, in their homes, and the, at the school. So we decided to grow our own food. And while we bought this land, the Lord just impressed on me uh, a huge feel of, sense of feel for uh, spiritual development because there's so much darkness and witchcraft. And so we ended up evangelizing the people. The first church we had, we were fellowshipping under a tree. Then the believers decided to build a, a mud house, a small one. Uh, but uh, the gift that you all gave um, has built glorious buildings out there. We have uh, uh, one of the best buildings in the parish, church, and uh, children's chapel. We also have a clinic and wells. So we are very, very thankful. I'm happy to report that uh, we've, had, we've baptized 200 people wow. in this area. And uh, the buildings are also, until we got some other funding, we've been using as a school uh, during day and on Sunday, it's church. Awesome. Mate, I, uh, I know there's hundreds of young people that you minister to through African Hearts, but just, just tell the story of one for us. Yeah, so we've been running for 17 years, and God has been so gracious to allow us to see fruit. Um, today, I traveled with a young man, Joel, who has name, he's made a name back home as a solo artist in saxophone. And he came from the village. His dad was a farmer. He didn't own land. And so they were working for another family. But the family decided to chase them off the property. And uh, Joel and his, his parents came to the city uh, looking for a better life. And when he never, the father never got a job, he was very disappointed. And so he decided to drink alcohol. Uh, Joel, at the age of eight, then went to the streets to look for ways of surviving. And that's how we picked him up and took him through school. And now he's a professional musician. Released his first album. Uh, how good. Yes. 
Hey, it's a great privilege today to have Joel with us. Joel is going to play the saxophone uh, for us. It's his... Uh, First time uh, in Australia, and he's had the, the chance to go busking on the streets in the city and uh, play over at Tangaluma uh, last night and at a, at a big dinner last week. And so it's really great to have you uh, here with us in church this morning, Joel. And Joel is uh, going to play for us how great is our God. He's seen the, the greatness of God at work in his life and uh, through the ministry of African Hearts. And he's going to minister to us through the gift that God has given him this morning. So why don't you put your hands together one more time and just encourage him.
Come over here, Joel, and run up here too, Ainsley. Ainsley's the African, the Australian coordinator of African Hearts. I just want to pray for these guys as a team uh, this morning. So uh, run over here, Joel, when you can. Can I give him one more hand as he comes? Yeah. Oh, and just reach out a hand and just pray a blessing over these guys this morning. Father, thank you. I just thank you for the, the ministry of African Hearts. Thank you for this team that you brought together and the many others that are back in, in Uganda that are part of this team and seeing uh, just shining your light of hope and truth into some very dark places in this world. God, thank you for the way that you are at work in powerful ways. You are dragging people out of darkness and into your wonderful light, transforming lives, changing families. God, thank you that that has been true in, in Abby's life and in Joel's life and in, in many others. And God, we pray for more. God, we pray that many, many young men and women will not have their potential stolen from them by poverty and violence and drugs and family breakdown, but God, that you would rescue them and that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would save them from hopelessness and uh, God, release them into the, the purposes that you have for them. God, would you bless them in Jesus' name. God, this morning as we open your word, speak to each of us about the dream that you've put in our hearts. Fill us with faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank these guys just one more time. Hey, we're continuing. We're continuing. I was just blown away. The second time I got to see that, I've got to see Joel play uh, in Sharima just a, a few weeks ago. I just, I just reminded him moments like that, that the gospel is a power for salvation. Imagine if that potential, if that gift, you know, had it been, had it been squashed and trodden down, you know, by poverty and violence and drug abuse and never came into the light and set free to, to be a blessing to so many. Imagine, imagine if that gift had been squashed. And the gospel has power. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it has power to, to shine a light of hope into dark places and, and bring transformation and bring to life what God had always intended. I love just seeing the power of the gospel at work in, in young people's life. You're, you're a gift to me this morning and you're a gift to our whole church this morning, Joel. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, we continue our Legends of Faith series today. We've, uh, we've talked about Noah. We've talked about uh, Abraham. We've talked about Sarah. And today I want to speak about one of my heroes of the faith, Joseph. I've got a man crush on Joseph. He's a guy that I, uh, I love. I love uh, who he is. I love what he did. You know, he only gets one line in Hebrews chapter 11, but he's a true legend of 
the faith. He's a gifted leader. leader. He's a man that's full of forgiveness. He's full of grace. He, uh, he, he faced incredibly adverse situations. His life was full of adversity, but he had an unshakable faith to the very end. That's the kind of life that, that I want to live, a life of unshakable faith. Hebrews 11 It says, by faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Doesn't sound, you know, like all that much, but you've got to understand at the end of his life, Joseph is speaking faith into the next generation. He's seeing what God will do by faith. Even though the circumstances around him, he couldn't see anything to tell him that that this was going to happen. But he had faith in the Word of God, even as he's staring death in the face, that God is faithful to His Word, that God is faithful to His promise. You've got to understand, here's a guy who's now 110 years old. He hasn't lived in the land of Canaan. He hasn't lived in God's promised land since he was 17 years old. He's lived his whole life, you know, in in Egypt. He's lived his whole life away from the promise of God. And yet at the end of his life, when there is nothing happening around him that would suggest that that God is going to to take his people out of Egypt and and back across the desert into Canaan, there's nothing that says that this is going to happen. Joseph has faith. He can see it into the future by faith. He trusts that God is faithful to his word and he speaks that faith over the next generation. You could see... Joseph's request of taking his bones back to the promised land when God, when God rescues them as a pain in the neck. You know, he's saying, when, when it happens, you've you got to carry my coffin across the desert and bury me in the promised land. It could look like a pain in the neck, but it's actually a gift of faith to the next generation. You see, for, for decades to come, You know, they they would have heard the faith of Joseph, the words of Joseph ringing in their ears. God will help us. God has not forgotten us. God does care about us. God has power to rescue. This is a gift of faith. He's telling them it will happen. God will do it in his way and in his time. And when it happens... You're to take my bones as a testimony of faith back to the promised land. And and for all time, you know, people will see that God is faithful to his promise. Joseph had an unshakable faith in God. And when you look at the life of Joseph, there are many reasons that could have shaken his faith. Many things, many things that could have made Joseph doubt God. Could have made, you know, Joseph think maybe God doesn't care about us. Maybe God doesn't listen. Maybe God's not faithful to his word. Maybe God does not have power today. There are many reasons that could have shaken Joseph's faith. But right to the end, he had an unshakable faith. We're going to look at some of those reasons because they're, they're similar reasons to what shake our faith today. We see that Joseph was a guy who was ridiculed by his family. We're introduced to Joseph as a 17-year-old in Genesis chapter 37. 
and it, and it says that, uh, that Joseph, you know, had this dream. God, and he trusted that God had given him the dream that even though he was number 11 out of 12 sons in a family, that he would, be, he would rise to a position of such power and authority and leadership that his whole family would come and bow down to him. He shares the dream with his brothers. And his brothers already hate him because his dad has given him this fancy coat that nobody else has got. He's his dad's favorite. And so the brothers already hate him. And when he shares the dream with his brothers, they hate him even more. They ridicule him. And then when he has a second dream that's almost the same, he shares it not just with his brothers, but with his dad as well. And even his dad ridicules him. It says this, chapter 37, it says, His brothers said to him, Do you actually intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? He's ridiculed. He shares the dream that God has put in his heart and his whole family ridicule him. But it doesn't shake his faith. He knows that this is God's dream. I've got a, uh, a son about to turn 17 at the moment and he is copying incredible ridicule from our family. He decided it would be funny on Friday afternoon to go with his mate down to the barber and get matching bowl cuts. This is... He came home with a big smile on his face, looking just like that. And, and I said to him, what have you done? He said, we decided to get bowl cuts. I said, you look ridiculous. He said, that's what the barber said to us. I said, well, wasn't, wasn't that a, a clue that maybe the guy, the professional that you're paying to cut your hair tells you it looks ridiculous that it is? He says, oh, we thought it'd be funny. We thought you think it was funny too. He gets his sense of humor from his mother. <laughs> I must admit, I, I did find it was funny. But don't tell him. He's getting ridiculed for good reason. He looks ridiculous. But Joseph, Joseph was ridiculed for sharing the dream that God put in his heart. And maybe there's some of you this morning, you've, you've shared your faith or you've shared a dream that God's put in your heart, whether it's with your family or people that you looked up to. And the people that encouraged you, should have encouraged you the most, have actually ridiculed you. And it's shaken your faith just a little bit. You're kind of starting to question, you know, is that really what God's got for me? Your faith has just been shaken. What we see in Joseph is when he was ridiculed, he was not shaken. You know, Joseph wasn't just ridiculed by his family, but he was betrayed by his family. You know, they, they hated him so much that they decided to kill him. And when his brothers saw him walking 
you know, out in the field one day. As he's coming up to them, they decided that they were going to kill him and tell their dad that a ferocious animal had, uh, had devoured him. And then at the last minute, one of the brothers suggests, you know, maybe instead of killing him, we could sell him and make some money out of him. It says this in, uh, in verse 26, it says, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, better idea. Let's sell him to the hairy Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. doesn't say hairy, but Ishmaelites just sound hairy. And not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers all agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. You know, I've, I've got two younger sisters, and sisters are really annoying. Growing up, you know, uh, they really annoyed me. They never wanted to play footy. They never wanted to play cricket. And I never knew who were my mates. I never knew if I actually had mates or they were just uh, boys that were sniffing around hoping to talk to my sisters. It turns out I didn't have many mates. Uh, most of them were just, uh, you know, paying attention to my, to my sisters. But when I read this story again during the week, I, I was thinking maybe sisters aren't that bad because big brothers are pretty awful. And so I text my sisters and I said, just by the way, when we were growing up as a big brother, did I ever do anything that was mean to you? They text me back in seconds. They, they've, they've never replied to any of my text messages so quickly. Melissa said, when you were washing up and I was on drying up, if I left the dishes long enough that they dried themselves and all I had to do was put them away, you would pour water all over them and wet them again so that I had a job to do. That's, that's fair. That's, I have got no problem with that. When my friends were over, you would make wet toilet paper bombs and throw them at us. It's no wonder then that none of their friends were interested in me. You would put me in a headlock and make me say mercy in order to let me go. And then when I said mercy, you said that meant thank you in French and you'd kept me in a headlock. <laughs> that is a bit nasty. <laughs> I don't remember that. My youngest sister, Kiralee, said, you used to wipe snot on me <laughs> regularly. That's awful. You dug your knuckles into my head and messed my hair up. You told me that I smelt like processed cheese. She did. She smelt funny, that girl. Right. You teased my outfits in front of your friends. Well, I actually think that's a favor. Some of my friends, you didn't want them hanging around. You had a really smelly car and your shoes smelt like a dirty nappy. Other than that, you were okay. You know, I, I, I text back. I was offended at first. I text back. I said, just give thanks to God that you didn't have a big brother like Joseph. You know, they, they, they hated him so much, they decided to kill him. And then they decided to throw him, you know, in a pit, beat him up, sell him as a slave, and go home and tell their dad that he was devoured by a wild animal. I mean, I'm pretty good compared to that. But, you know, Joseph was actually betrayed by the very people that should have protected him from harm. That's what big brothers are supposed to do. They're supposed to protect you from harm. 
But Joseph was betrayed. He was betrayed, but his faith was not shaken. And uh, there's some people here this morning who, you, you've been betrayed by people that should have protected you, and it's not a laughing matter. It's, it's not something to joke about, and if you're really honest, it's shaken your faith just a little bit. You know, there's people that should have protected you, should have blessed you, should have reflected the love of God to you, and they betrayed that trust. You put your trust in them fully, but they betrayed that trust. And right now, you'd, you'd say, it makes it hard for me to fully trust a Father in heaven. Because the people on earth that should have reflected that love to me betrayed that trust. Joseph was ridiculed. He was betrayed. And he also suffered at the hands of powerful people. You know, Joseph was sold to the Ishmaelites. He, uh, eventually, they sold him on to a guy named Potiphar in, uh, in Egypt. And while he was there, Joseph continued to serve God and he served Potiphar diligently. And Potiphar noticed. He saw this guy, a, this is a, a man of integrity, he's a great leader. And Potiphar put him in charge of the, the whole of his business. And uh, when Potiphar was away at some time, Mrs. Potiphar took a liking to him. You see, you know, I'm not the only one that's on point. Joseph was also on point. And, uh, you know, all of uh, the, the Mrs. Potiphar had a look at uh, Joseph and she liked what she saw. She got the hots for him and wanted to take him to bed. And uh, Joseph could have got away with it. You know, he could have, no one could have found out, but Joseph was a man of integrity right throughout, of his, throughout his life. And so Joseph refused. And when she reached out and tried to grab his, his coat, he ran out the door and she was just left with his coat in her hands. And she wasn't happy. And she decided to make him suffer. This is what it says. It says... Uh, she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story, and it was completely made up. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. You know, Joseph suffered injustice and he was punished for something that he didn't deserve. It could have shaken his faith, but he was suffering, but he was not shaken. I tell you, some of us here, we've suffered maybe at the hands of powerful people or we've just suffered through the circumstances of life. And there's nothing that we've done to deserve it. We might be, you know, suffering from, from sickness and we've done nothing to deserve it. We might be suffering, you know, the circumstances in our family and it's not through our own wrongdoing. It's just suffering that we're experiencing and it doesn't seem fair. And what I've found is that this is something that shakes many people's faith. When we suffer injustice, we suffer 
and it doesn't seem fair, it can shake our faith. Now, Joseph was ridiculed, he was betrayed, he suffered, and he was forgotten. You see, Joseph was sent to prison, and and while he was in prison, he became friends with the king's cupbearer and the king's baker, who had both offended the king in some way. And one night, both the cupbearer and the baker had dreams, and they couldn't interpret the dreams, and it troubled them. They're having a little sook, a little pity party in the morning because they didn't know what their dreams meant. And Joseph came along, and he interpreted his friend's dreams. And he said to the cupbearer, good news for you, good dream. You are going to be reinstated to your position as cupbearer to the king in three days. And then he says to the baker, not so good news. The king's going to cut off your head in three days and your head's going to be impaled on a stick. And he said to the cupbearer, he says, don't forget me when you're back in the king's presence. Tell them the injustice that I'm, I'm suffering here in prison. There wasn't much point saying it to the baker because he wasn't going to remember anything or say anything. His head was on a stick. But he says to the cupbearer, says, make sure you don't forget me. But the cupbearer, in the joy of being reinstated to his position and being moved from the, 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 the prison cell back into the palace, completely forgets about Joseph. It says in verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. In his time of greatest need, His friends forgot him. And it could have shaken his faith in God. He could have said, that's it. God has really not come through for me. His friends forgot him when he needed them the most. And maybe this morning, maybe this morning you've had that experience. You know what it feels like to have friends forget you when you need them the most and they haven't been there for you and it's shaken your faith. You're getting a little wobbly. You're actually blaming God for what others didn't do. Now Joseph was ridiculed. He was betrayed. He was was suffering injustice and then he was forgotten by his friends And Joseph faced the incredible temptation of prosperity. You know, sometimes we think it's just the difficult circumstances in life that can shake our faith. But I'd say just as frequently here in our culture, prosperity and the good things in life can shake our faith that we actually become so dependent on ourselves that we shine a light on our prosperity rather than a light on God. And and Joseph, you see what happens is eventually the cupbearer did remember him because one night Pharaoh had some dreams and Pharaoh's having a little pity party because he couldn't interpret the dreams. He's the most powerful man in the world and nor could anybody else 
in his palace or the whole land, any of the wise people, they couldn't interpret his dreams either. And that twigged something in the cupbearer's mind and eventually he remembered there's a guy named Joseph in prison. He does interpret dreams. And Pharaoh said, oh, go get him for me. And, and Joseph comes in and he interprets the dreams about seven skinny cows eating seven fat cows. And he talks about how, how God has shown him what's going to happen in the future. And Pharaoh is so impressed with this young leader that he, Joseph becomes incredibly prosperous. He gets out of prison. This is what happens. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt during the seven years of abundance. Listen to that word, abundance. The land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up, listen to this next word, huge Huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. You see, here's Joseph. He's gone through all of these difficult circumstances, but now the thing that could actually shake his faith is that he's incredibly prosperous. He's got everything he's ever wanted. He's got money and power. And if you look throughout Joseph's life, you see that he faced every temptation we'll ever face. He was tempted with money, sex, and power that could have shaken his faith. But prosperity did not dim the light of his faith. His faith was not shaken. He was tempted, but he wasn't shaken. And maybe you're here this morning and you recognize that either in the midst of your prosperity, the light has gone off God and your faith in God and it's come onto yourself and all of your wants and needs. Or maybe in some ways you can see the ways that you've given in to temptation and you're riddled with guilt and it's shaken your faith. You're wobbly in your faith right now. You know, Joseph was ridiculed, he was betrayed, he suffered injustice, he was forgotten, he was tempted. And then lastly, right at the end of his life, he stared death in the face. The end of his life is 110 years old. And still he hasn't seen the promise of God come to pass. He's seen God faithful to him. He's seen God, you know, faithful to the dream that God put in his heart. But he hasn't seen God, you know, come through on his word to, to put his people in the promised land. He's staring death in the face. But it still doesn't shake his faith. Even at the end of his life, when he's got no more influence, when he's got nothing more he can do, and he's facing the ultimate enemy of death, still, this man's faith is not shaken. And he says, Genesis chapter 50, he says, when God comes to your aid, when God comes to help, 
and he rescues you from Egypt and puts you into the promised land, take my bones. It's going to happen. And I want you to do it as a reminder that God is a faithful God. Joseph had an unshakable faith. But the good news for us today is not that we've got someone that we can look to to kind of try and emulate. We do. Joseph's that kind of guy. But there's better news than that. You see, the good news is that that Jesus actually had the same unshakable faith. You, You see, Jesus was ridiculed by his very own family and by his hometown who didn't believe in him for a time. He says, who do you think you are? You're just, you're just Joseph and Mary's boy. You're just a carpenter from Nazareth. He was betrayed by the people that, that should have been there for him. He suffered injustice. He was punished for sins that he did not commit and he received a punishment that he did not deserve. He was forgotten. On the cross, he knew his friends had fled from him. But even in that moment, he had a moment where he just said, God, have you forgotten me too? He felt all alone. He suffered temptation. Every temptation known to man was just thrown at him. And even as he stared death in the face, the most agonizing of deaths, his faith could not be shaken. And the good news for, for you and me is that that is the Jesus who is the rock of our salvation. He is the cornerstone of our faith. He is your stronghold in times of trouble. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is unchanging. His power is unparalleled. His plans for you and for this world are never ending. His love for you is everlasting. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your rock, as your saviour, as, the, as the, the one who came to save you from eternal death, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ who died an unfair death on the cross but was raised from the dead three days later the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead came to live in you so we don't just have a person to emulate we don't just have a person to point to and go copy that he actually puts his spirit within us that in the midst of being ridiculed betrayed suffering being forgotten tempted and even facing death in the midst of those circumstances his power and his strength is within us to stand firm in our faith, unshakable. <clears throat> unshakable faith. You see, believers with an unshakable faith delight in God's unchanging word. You want that kind of faith? You see, Joseph didn't have a Bible. All he had to go on was the word that God had spoken over Israel. I'm going to take you to that promised land. And he put his faith in that word. Today we're privileged to have much more of God's word. But I tell you, you want that kind of unshakable faith, you've got to be in God's word. You've got to trust in God's word. You've got to delight 
in God's Word. Psalm chapter 1, it says, you know, blessed are those people who delight in, in the law of God, in the words of God. You know, they'll be like a tree, a strong tree, you know, planted by streams of water. You know, they'll, they'll yield fruit in season. Whatever they do prospers. They won't be like chaff that's just blown away in the wind. They'll be strong in their faith. They'll be a blessing to others for generations to come. Why? Because they delight in God's Word. You want an unshakable faith? In every circumstance, you've got to be in God's Word. Now, Jesus said similar thing. Matthew chapter 7, he speaks his, probably his most famous words or his most famous sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, and then he finishes it. Verse chapter 7, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. When the rain came, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, it fell with a great crash. That's what happens. And we don't live in God's Word and put them, His words, into practice, everything comes crashing down. And for the sake of the people in the front row, I'm not going to let that happen today. <laughs> Unshakable faith in believers, ordinary believers like you and me. It happens through delighting in God's unchanging Word. And believers with an unshakable faith depend on God's unparalleled power. You know, one of the bits of Joseph's story I love is the most powerful man in the world comes to him, Pharaoh, who can't control the situation. And he says to Joseph, who's still in prison, he says, I hear you can interpret dreams. And I love Joseph's response in chapter 45. This is his ticket out of prison, people. He says, no, I cannot do it. But God can. God can. It's the power of God within me that enables me to interpret those dreams. It's not me. I tell you, you want to see dreams that God's put in your heart become reality, like Joseph got to see them become reality. It's not about your ability and power. Yes, he'll use you. Whatever gifts you've given him, he'll, he'll use you. He'll take hold of it with his power, and he'll do more than what you've ever dreamed or imagined. He has an unparalleled power. What the most powerful man in the world could not do, God could do. You want an unshakable faith? It's trusting in every single situation. Whatever difficult circumstance that you're facing, that God has the power in his hands, that he's put within you by his spirit to be faithful to him in that situation and see his dreams become a reality. Believers with an unshakable faith delight in God's unchanging word. They depend on God's unparalleled power and they're devoted to God's unchanging, unending, rather, plan. You know, Joseph, in every situation, he could have said, this is the end. 
God's forgotten about me. God's never going to come through for me. But Joseph has a dream that one day everyone will bow down to him or be in a place of authority. And if you had to ask Joseph as a 17-year-old, how's that going to happen? I, I bet you... I bet you he couldn't have said to you in that moment. He says, my brothers are going to hate me so much that they'll throw me into a pit and leave me to die. And then at the last minute, they'll decide to make some money out of me and sell me to some hairy Ishmaelites. Those Ishmaelites will march me across the desert and they'll sell me to a guy named Potiphar. I'll work so hard that Potiphar will put me into a position of power. But unfortunately, his wife will get the hots for me and she'll say, come to bed with me. And I'll say no. And she'll say, well, I don't like you very very much and so I'm putting you in prison and so I'll go to prison and while I'm in prison I become friends with a butcher and a baker and a candlestick maker and they have some dreams and I can interpret their dreams one of them lives and one of them dies but the one that lives forgets about me when he gets back into the king's palace until one night the pharaoh has a dream about seven skinny cows eating seven fat cows and he's upset because he can't work out what it means and the cup will go, I met a guy in prison who knows how to interpret dreams and he'll take me to Pharaoh and Pharaoh will say, you know, can you do this? And I'll say, I can't, but God can. And God will give me the interpretation to those dreams about the skinny cows eating the fat cows and what we're to do with the whole economy of Egypt. And Pharaoh will look at me and say, well, oh, you're very, very good. And I'll say, thank you very much. And he'll say, would you like to be Prime Minister Joseph? As if he could have worked all that out in his head. No idea. This is the important bit. Whatever situation God put him in, and whatever God put in his hands, he was faithful. He was faithful that God had a plan. And even when his brothers finally come and bow down and beg for food, and he could have killed them, he could have done away with them, he chooses to forgive them because he knows this is all part of God's eternal plan. I love the verse, Genesis 50, verse 20, when his brothers are crying their eyes out before him. And he says to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. Every situation. God is good and he has a plan that he's unfolding. Everyone that's, that's called according to his love and his purposes, God's taken the good and the bad and the ugly and he's unfolding his eternal plan in history. He just calls ordinary people like you and me to delight in his word, depend on his power and stay devoted to his plan in whatever situation we're in right now. And if you devote your life to serving God's purposes, there will be times you're ridiculed. It'll happen. Promise you. Jesus promised you it would happen. Don't, don't let it shake your faith. There, there will be times you're betrayed. It will happen. Happen to Joseph. Happen to Jesus. Follow the plans of Jesus, it'll happen to you. There'll be times that you suffer. Never promised us it was going to be easy, he just promised that he'd be with us. There'll be times you get forgotten, we'll all face temptation, and there will be a day that we die. 
but it doesn't have to shake our faith. We've all got the potential to shake our faith. But God has put His Spirit within each one of us. He's given us His Word so that we might stand firm in every circumstance and in every situation. I'm going to pray this morning. I just reckon some of us here this morning, you've got to come and stand with one of these words, one of these circumstances. And you've got to identify that this is the circumstance that I'm in or I have been in, but it's not going to be my reality. It's, it's not going to be what shakes my faith. I want you to declare this morning, that in the midst of this circumstance, I'm standing firm in my faith in Jesus. And we want to pray for you. We want people, we're going to get people to gather around you and pray that you take hold of the power of God's Word, God would fill you with the power of His Spirit, that you would stand firm in your faith in this circumstance that you're walking through. Let me pray. Father God, this morning, thank you for your Word. Thank you for the life of Joseph. Thank you for the way that you are so faithful, so good, so powerful. God, this morning I pray. I pray that you would come and just fill us afresh with the power of your Holy Spirit in the midst of the circumstances that we're walking through. God, would you help us? God, bring to mind the truth of your word and to take hold of it in the midst of this circumstance, that we might stand firm in our faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this morning I'm going to get, let's all stand together. I'm going to get our, our prayer team and our pastoral team to come down the front and just to stand at some of these spots. And, and this morning, what I want to encourage you to do, if you can identify with a situation or a circumstance that you're walking through or have walked through. And this morning, you just want to declare, you want to declare this morning that you are going to stand firm in your faith in Jesus. Be faithful to what God's called you to do in the midst of this circumstance. Be faithful to your family. Be faithful to the ministry that He's called you to. Be faithful to the, the dream that He's put in your heart. Be faithful to Him. I want you just to come and stand here and say, in the midst of this circumstance, I'm choosing to stand firm. I will not be shaken. Come on, just start to come right now as we start to sing. We just want to pray for you this morning. I believe God has got a powerful word to speak over some people this morning. Just come, just come and just stand where you need to stand. Let someone pray for you this morning. Come on, just, just keep coming. I just know God's going to put power and strength in you. He's gonna, it's going to come from the power of His Spirit. You're going to be reminded of the power of His Word. And you're going to take hold of it this morning. And it is going to help you to stand firm where God wants you to be. In your family, in this community, in your workplace, in this church. Just come. Come on, let's pray. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ or would like us to pray for you, please go to gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know.